Welcome to the Parents Place podcast with Hillary and Jen. Welcome to the podcast today. We have one of our segments on resiliency, and we have a special guest with us today, um, Shantae Jackson. We are thrilled to have her with us, and she, um, I think you guys are going to be in for a treat today, because she has quite the story that she wants to share, and and so with that being said, I think I'll just dive in and just turn it over to you, and um, Shantae, I'll let you tell a little bit about you and a little bit about your story. Thank you so much. I'm so super glad to be here and um, excited to spread the message of hope and uh, how to work through hard things. Um, I grew up in Salt Lake and moved up to Cache Valley uh, to go to school. I'm 38 and have an awesome husband. We've been married for 17 years and we have five kids. We have twins that are 15, twin boys. And a man in the middle who's 12, mm-hmm. and then twins at the bottom, boy, girl, that are nine. Two sets of twins. Two sets oh of twins. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We've got a beautiful Oreo package there, <laughs> and we love it. <laughs> um, we're a super busy family. We love to do things outdoors. We love to do things together. And we spend a lot of time together as a family. Um, we had told our oldest boys, their names are Cameron and Owen, Mm -hmm. our twins. We told them when they started middle school that when they get good grades, we would reward them that they would get to go on a backpacking trip with us. Just just the four of us or whoever got the good grades, if it was just one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And that was their incentive to do well. And they rose to the occasion, got four O's. They were not going to miss an opportunity to do that. So we've been able to take them each summer backpacking. The summer of 2021, we were on our way to go on that backpacking trip. Um, We decided also to invite my friend, her name's Mel. She wanted to come and learn how to fish in the Mm -hmm. (laughs) backcountry. And the boys were so excited to teach her how to do that. And we were going to the Wind Rivers, which is in Wyoming. And it's my husband, Trevor. It's his very favorite place on earth to be. So he was excited to share that with them and with Mel. I had been there with him before. Um, We go in the places that nobody ever goes. So we knew we were going to be all alone, and it was going to be so awesome. On our way driving, we were in Wyoming. We had just passed Cokeville. We were coming up on Fossil Butte, and then Kemmer was the next town. Mm -hmm. And it's the two-lane road, so we're driving one way. The other cars are driving the other way in the other lane, and there was a semi coming the other way and a vehicle went to pass the semi and failed to see us. So they hit us head on at freeway speeds. They were accelerating to pass the semi. We had seen them and tried to stop. Um, It was like hitting a brick wall at 160 miles an hour is Mm -hmm. the estimate. Um, We all blacked out instantly. And um, when I awoke, my son Owen was having a seizure and was covered in blood. Cameron was in shock. He was talking, but he didn't know what was happening. My husband was unconscious and his arms were over the airbag. And my friend Mel 
had somehow managed to get out of the vehicle because she knew that Owen was going to need care mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Once she got out, she was on the ground and couldn't move from there. I remembered where my phone was, and miraculously, it was still in the same spot. I have no idea yeah. of how. Everything else was outside of the car. And called 911. I didn't know exactly what was going on. I still have a lot of uh, memory loss. And I knew we were in a car accident, but that was all I knew. So when they asked where we were, mm-hmm. I said, I don't know. Is Wyoming, it all looks the same. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, and a lot of people at that point, I don't know what the time lapse was at that point, but a lot of people had stopped to help us by then. And there was a man and I said, here's the phone, Mm -hmm. tell them where we are. Don't get off until help comes. From there, it was a horrific scene, um, for all of us. Um, the, the engine and the car was on top of my husband's lap. He was trapped. The engine started on fire. Mm. Apparently, I told people to throw dirt on it to stop the fire. Um, from there, they, the, everybody that had stopped knew Owen was really in bad shape, but also didn't want to move him. Mm-hmm. It was apparent that he had a lot of injuries, but they also didn't want him to stay in the vehicle if it was going to yeah. continue on fire. So they got him out. Um, people broke the window and got Cameron out of that side of the car. And the car did start on fire again. A semi-truck driver had an extinguisher in his Mm -hmm. car and was able to put it out. From there, we waited for help, and we had some amazing responders come. A lot of miracles happened. Uh, My husband had to get cut out with the jaws of life. Um, Some of us were transported to Kemmer and then life-flighted from there. Some of us were life-flighted immediately. Following that, it was a whirlwind of nobody knows what happened to who because Mm -hmm. we were all just, everybody was trying to save our life. It didn't matter who we were associated with or anything else. There were, there was also five passengers in the other vehicle. So Mm -hmm. total, there were 10 people. And it was a small place. Mm -hmm. And so it was really tricky to figure out how to um, triage. Um, luckily we were life-flighted to the University of Utah and primaries, so we all ended up in the same place, which was really fortunate for us. Um, my husband went straight into the ICU. He left straight from the scene. He had lost a lot of blood. He ended up breaking both of his femurs, the top part of his legs, the bottom part of a leg, his foot, his toes, an arm, a sternum. Um, they had to put traction in his legs so that he wasn't hitting any of those major veins, mm-hmm. um, went into surgery, wasn't going to make it through. So they had to pull him out, gave him more blood and then continued surgeries the next day to fix things. He was in the ICU for some time. Um, my son Owen was unconscious the whole time. He suffered a severe brain injury on every part of his brain. So both both hemispheres, the frontal lobe and the part that connects both sides. Mm -hmm. So therefore, potential of every single thing being affected from it. Mm -hmm. Um, He also broke his lower back and severed his optical nerve that hooks into his brain stem. 
he got put into a medically induced coma and from there his brain swelling still was so rapid and so quick that they had to continue to do more so from there they had to give him a paralytic even the smallest twitch of his muscles would cause his brain to swell more than it could handle um that still wasn't enough so then they had to drill in a bolt to continue measuring and then from there they had to drill in it's called an EVD which we call the brain drain mm-hmm. to release some of that fluid he stayed in a coma for nine days mm-hmm. typically the brain swelling peaks at about three days and so the hope is after that that he can come out that wasn't the case for him he continued to have problems for a long time um, after he was out of his coma he continued to progress well being able to get moved out of the ICU. My son Cameron, um, he broke his ankle and dislocated it. He actually got discharged from Kemmer, but the rest of his family was getting lifelighted at that same moment. So he was 14 at the time, all alone, um, in a horrible scene where he had sat Mm -hmm. and watched his dad Mm -hmm. almost die in front of his eyes. My friend Mel, the seatbelt separated everything from her abdominal wall. It completely obliterated everything. Um, She had some major surgeries where they found how far everything got torn. If it would have been a millimeter farther Mm. in either direction, she would have bled out instantly. Um, She was also in the ICU and has continued to progress from there. I had um, a severely broken arm broken pinky, dislocated elbow, torn shoulder, broken ribs, and very bruised lungs, which is what my main concern was at at that moment. Um, So I also was lifelighted. And we've just been taking it a day at a time since then. So this was a year ago. Yeah, just over a year ago, July of 2021. Okay, there's so much going through my head at this point. <laughs> First of all, we'll get to all my questions. <laughs> well, but first of all, I uh, you are here. You're here and mm-hmm. you're talking to us. And it's only been a year. And I think that's amazing. Thank you. That there has been so much that your family has gone through and will continue to go through. Yes. And, and you're here sharing your story. I, man, there's, I commend you for that. Thank That's you. It's amazing. And I sit here thinking, could I do that? Yeah. Like what? I mean, your friend, knowing that your son needed help quickly to get herself out. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, small little miracles, millimeter here, millimeter there. I mean, it's just yeah. You hear about these stories and, you know, you, there's been examples that I have heard from others in the past where, yes, like we shouldn't, we shouldn't have, mm-hmm. have made it, you know, like different things like that. Like you said, a millimeter, this or that or that. And I just, and I always love, we, we hear this, you guys have all heard the quote from Mr. Rogers about the helpers. I just love hearing these examples too of like, he said people, there was a lot of people that stepped in. Mm-hmm. automatically and I'm sure as you continue to tell your story uh, there's going to continue to be a lot of people that step in and help and I l- love hearing that when you go through a crisis and a traumatic event so I gotta ask 
I know this is like the end of the story, but how are you guys doing now? Well, that's the thing. Everybody assumes that, but we are not at the end. Yeah. Um, like you said, you we shouldn't have made it. None of us should have made it in the yeah. first place. We shouldn't have ever woken up with hitting mm. that kind of a force. Um, but we're not done. I have surgery in a week myself mm-hmm. still. My husband just had surgery about a month ago. Um, we both don't have our function all the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, our son Owen still deals with brain injury yeah. effects. My son Cameron, he is an avid soccer player, and having a messed up ankle is hard. Mm-hmm. Cameron and I have very strong PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that this will be a part of us forever. We're hoping the physical parts will continue to get better, mm-hmm. but we don't know that either. You know, we'll yeah. just keep seeing how that goes. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is, have they given you kind of a long-term diagnosis of things that will or will not fully recover? It's interesting because you can't call that, right? And the doctors know that. And they've seen with our family that we will not take no for an answer. (laughs) (laughs) They have seen, um, they told my husband that it wouldn't be expected for him to try to take a step until nine months. He took his first at two. Granted, mm. he was covered in boots and he mm-hmm. had a walker and he almost passed out. But he but did. Still. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And he um, he has has not ran but shuffled a couple races. Wow. And he, you know, we, he's, yeah, we continue to try to defy those odds. Uh-huh. So although they say it's unlikely or this is the time frame mm-hmm. that it could be, we try really hard to not listen to them, but yeah. also be realistic to not get defeated mm-hmm. if that's what it is. So yeah. it's kind of both. Uh, what about little, um, well, he's not little. <laughs> I was like, little Owen, my little middle schooler. <laughs> Short-term memory loss, long-term developmental yeah, delays. So, what are, what are so Owen's 15 now. So this was the summer right before their freshman year of high school. Uh-huh. Starting high school was rough. He got discharged from the hospital the day before his first day of high school Mm -hmm. would have been. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. Cameron, being a twin, had envisioned their first day of high school together. Mm -hmm. He had envisioned all sorts of things that you would get to experience as a twin, and a lot of that we haven't been able to have, although we've worked towards a lot of them as well. So Owen's first year of high school, he started with a back brace. He Mm -hmm. started with an eye patch. He looked like a pirate. And that was the only way he could do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for brain stimulation, he could only handle a class a day for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. We tapered up from there. At this point, he gets to go to school full time. He's in regular ed classes. He doesn't have deficits. He has things that affect him mm-hmm. and will continue. But we're able to, he gets to live a fairly normal mm-hmm. life, which for the extent of his injuries, they thought that it would be we would be caretaking 100 percent of yeah. the time never able to leave his side yeah. um as he was early on in the hospital mm-hmm. so and how are the i mean i can only imagine i'm thinking to myself i have a cute friend who isn't feeling well today and there's nothing worse than mom being out <laughs> <laughs> and still having these little ones to take care of so not only do you have your boys and your husband and your good friend um who are recovering as well as yourself, but you still have three more little ones at the home. How did you guys manage that? It has been trial and error for sure. (laughs) It has been. We, 
interestingly enough, we had gone through some some other hard things right before the accident. The beginning of 2021 had been a hard year for us already. About two weeks before the accident, we had sat the family down and said, we are so proud of you guys. You have shown grit and resiliency. Mm -hmm. We can do things together as a family. Things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I will never regret having that conversation with them because we pointed out the fact that they can work through hard things. So then when even harder things came, they knew they could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't change the fact that it's really hard to look into your child's eyes and say, you have to hold on longer. You have to grow up, even Mm -hmm. though I don't want you to. It's just what the the scenario makes happen. We can't change that. Um, But yes, managing all of that has been tricky, but it has come because of a team and a tribe Mm -hmm. of family and friends. It's the only way we've been able to do it, especially with them. They lived at other people's houses yeah. for a month while we were in the hospital. They they didn't see us for a mm-hmm. long, long time. And other people had to step in and kind of be their, they, they still call them their second moms, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those types of things because they, they had to have other people love them and care for them while we were not able to. We mm-hmm. did the best we could, but sometimes you can't. Well, I'm just thinking it's not only your car accident and then hard things, but then you put a pandemic on top of it (laughs) to where, yeah, your kids can't come to the hospital to see you because probably at that time it was still no visitors. And so I just keep thinking to myself that your family is like rock solid because of all of these hard things. And what power does that give your kids to know that they can make it through some hard things? Even pandemic too hard and a hard thing and then a car accident hard thing I mean those are going to be some strong special kids absolutely with strong special parents <laughs> thank you it's funny um Cameron he says people will say to me wow you have such a strong family because of this mm-hmm. and he always says we already were a strong family mm-hmm. we already put in the work before this mm-hmm. so yeah. now going through this instead of it breaking us mm-hmm. it's just created a scenario where we get to continue to use those things that we already had in place mm-hmm. to bind us back together yeah. otherwise we wouldn't be able to do things like talking about it yet it's yeah. still really hard yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but because we had put in the work beforehand we already had strengthened our family we allowed you know, room for independence and growth and things like that. But we also really try to focus on time together because, yeah, what if a pandemic hits and you're mm-hmm. stuck together? You have to know how to mm-hmm. get along. And that's going to be able, I hope, to propel them into their life to be able yeah. to deal with those hard things that come. Just thinking in my head, um, like, you know, when your family grows, mm-hmm. like I'm just thinking of my husband's family. As you get older and older, you kind of go your separate ways. Yeah. And I'm like, not your family. Your family's <laughs> going to be there no matter what for each other. Yeah. So I think it's super cool. Thank you. So, I mean, I, I know we have some individuals that are listening. And as you say, as you say that, you know, we've, we've built up the strength within our family. And, and we're already working towards that before this even hit. I know there's probably some listeners that are like, okay, what do I do to get that? Uh, will I be ready when that mm-hmm. tough time comes? So you mentioned a few things. You mentioned, you know, building the independence and time together. What other suggestions would you offer to our listeners of things that we can do within our own home that would kind of help strengthen and prepare our family unit? I think the biggest thing is that I try to work on is to find those pockets of time. All too often, we say that we're too busy, 
And in all honesty, we are too busy if that's what we let dictate our lives. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that pocket of time at my house is at bed. It's usually Mm -hmm. like, I am so tired. We need to be done. And I have an age range of kids from 9 to 15, and the 9-year-olds still want to be tucked in. Mm -hmm. They want that time to tell me about how they did on their spelling test that day or who they played with at recess up to our teenagers who need the time to just talk and sometimes it's till midnight Mm -hmm. and if we don't take those opportunities to have the pockets of time when our kids are ready we will miss them they won't come to us the next time because we've missed out on that pocket the other thing I would say is do things that you enjoy together Mm -hmm. our family about half of every our kids and all of us are very athletic some of them don't love that and so we have to find ways to incorporate something that everybody does have a place and that they can enjoy. And so sometimes it's that we're in the front yard, half the kids are playing a sport and the other half are, you know, riding a bike or a skateboard mm-hmm. or using sidewalk chalk. And we may not be actually interacting with each other, but we're all there together. Yeah. The last thing I would say is family meals. Mm-hmm. Sitting down together as a family, no screens, period. It can be silent. Mm -hmm. Usually at my house, it is crazy. (laughs) And the kids end up raising their hands because they want the next turn. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever screams the loudest. (laughs) But again, just finding those pockets of time. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's why you're driving to things. But taking those opportunities to use that time as well as with your spouse. You have to develop that relationship Mm -hmm. because you don't have a lot of time to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think I think we have started in our society to build a mindset that that like busyness is almost a status symbol now. That busier people are more important people and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case. It's not necessarily about how much you have on your plate, but I think more so about how you utilize your time. Yeah. Like you said, even if it's finding those little windows, those little pockets, we've got five minutes while we're driving from this sporting event to this sporting event. Yes. That's five minutes mm-hmm. that we can have the radio on and tune out mm-hmm. each other, or that's five minutes where we can connect and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that that's incredibly helpful for parents to hear. That it doesn't need, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have a full weekend with nothing to do, but it means that you find those little opportunities. Absolutely. So you're working with, um, I'm just, you're working with a lot of um, physical things. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the emotional things. Because you mentioned, you got some, P- P- if I can say it right, <laughs> PTSD. I'm sure that there was, I mean, what have you and your kids done to kind of help through that emotional yeah. side of things? Yes, it's tricky, especially if it's something that you haven't dealt with directly. And you hear about things like PTSD mm-hmm. and you usually associate it with, you know, veterans and things like that. And I can't even imagine what they go through where it's multiple things that they're doing. Um, I'm learning through this, you know, all of our emergency responders, they have to deal with this kind of trauma constantly, even though Mm -hmm. it's not their own family. They get, you know, they have to see these things and I'm so grateful for them because they save their lives, Mm -hmm. but it does still affect them. I mean, there's so many different things and different types of trauma that we all deal with and usually don't know that we're going to have to deal with, but then, then we do. Um, It has been something that I think we've all had to learn our own coping styles and our own coping skills, and then we've had to strengthen that, which has meant a lot of counseling, Mm -hmm. and thank goodness for it, and thank goodness that we didn't feel um, so prideful that we thought we Mm -hmm. could do it on our own, 
sometimes, you know, I'll be in my, my therapy sessions and be like, well, I already know to do this and this and this. And he'll challenge me. Well, what mm-hmm. about this thought? Have you thought about that? Or have you tried to do it this other way? Or you're doing the same thing. That's why mm-hmm. you're getting the same result. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's there's so much value in having somebody else, especially somebody that's trained, to know how to teach you and guide you. From there, as a family, we just have learned each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, if I'm you know, having a flashback or something, sometimes I need somebody to physically touch me. I need mm-hmm. somebody to remind me I'm right here. I'm not back in that moment. Other times I need everybody to go away and I need to focus on my breasts and do some mindfulness in order to get back to the present moment. And we've just had to not take things personally. We've mm-hmm. just had to know that that person's going through something that's really hard for themselves to deal with. And just sometimes helping is taking a step back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes helping yeah. is being all in and <coughs> allowing ourselves to help in the ways that is beneficial as opposed to the ways that make us feel better. Mm. And I'm assuming that communication is kind of the key component with that. Being able to explain to your kids or have your kids explain to you, I need some time to myself. Mm -hmm. I know you're trying to help by talking to me, but that's not helping right now. And so I think that's probably what makes the most success in that process. Absolutely. And sometimes it's more, it comes out in almost an outburst, but that's okay. You know, sometimes it will be, leave me alone. You know, I, I, you know, sometimes Cameron will just feel so strongly about, about where he's at and he can't deal with that emotion at that moment. Mm -hmm. But I understand. And and we've been able to talk about it later and he'll say, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else at that moment. And I understand. And then we talk about it and it's fine. And then the next time that happens, I know, okay, he's just got to deal with it. And then we can help each other through that. And yes, the communication helps a lot. Otherwise, you do take it personally. Mm -hmm. You think you're trying to help, but that you did something wrong and you just want your loved ones to be okay. And sometimes you have to give them the time and space to gain the skills to work on it themselves because they are working on it it themselves anyway. I think that's a great skill for any family to have, to have that communication and then know what their children's or their spouse's way of dealing with things is so they can give them that space. I mean, I think of myself when I get frustrated, I need time away. And so letting my husband know I need time, then he's not taking it personal. He's like, okay, Jen's going to go figure it out and she'll come back and talk with me. And so I think it's a great skill that any family could benefit from. Yes. So I know, I'm thinking of myself, and as a parent, I think my biggest fear is the unknown of the future. Mm. And I'm sure that you've experienced that, and your kids have experienced that a lot. Maybe having these ideas of what we were going to do and maybe having to reevaluate these ideas. How have you been able to maneuver that, and how have you been able to teach your kids about... um, Maybe expectations for the future, dreams, goals? I think the biggest thing is that we always remind each other that whatever they feel is the right feeling. And we use the grief cycle often, Mm -hmm. even though sometimes people think that that's just for the loss of somebody. Mm -hmm. It's also for the loss of expectations Mm -hmm. or of the life or Mm -hmm. physical abilities or, I mean, so many different things. And so if you're feeling angry, that's the right feeling for you right now. If you're feeling hopeful, then that's the right feeling. And that has been one of our biggest tools for managing expectations for the future is wherever we're at, we're at. And it's Mm -hmm. okay. 
sometimes it's tricky when I'm feeling angry and he's feeling excited and he's feeling hopeful, (laughs) but we all just honor each other in that because otherwise we get stuck. And if we think too hard about what would have been or what could have been, we get stuck and then we can't move forward at all. But if we just say, listen, today I'm mad and I'm going to be mad about it. And then tomorrow I might cry a lot, Mm -hmm. but guess what? The next day I might feel better Mm -hmm. and whatever it is, it is. And that's what we've told the kids, whatever they're feeling, they're feeling. And when you go through something like this, just like with a loss, some days you're not thinking about it at all. And Mm -hmm. some days you can't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Neither of those are right or wrong. And so we've just had to embrace that. Okay. Today's one of those days. I can't stop thinking about it. Today's one of those days that everything triggers me. Or today's one of those days I forgot it even happened. Mm. I'm very present in the moment and I'm enjoying this time with you and allowing all of us just to be okay with where we're at. Mm. That's such good advice because I think so often we, we interact with individuals that have gone through a loss, some type of grief, and, and maybe... It has been days and weeks and months and even years. And so we make the assumption that they're good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That they have been able to recover from that. And then for whatever reason, something happens that may trigger those thoughts and emotions and experiences back. And I think it's important to remember that it's not probably ever something that you close the door completely Mm -hmm. on. I think it's also people who think you should be over that by now. Yeah. This it's been ten years. Come on, let's yeah leave it in the past. But that's not how trauma works. No, yeah, it comes back and smacks you in the face when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if you this recently happened to me, slapped me in the face, and I was like, "Whoa, we're at this point in time. I should not Mm -hmm. be feeling this." But if you know, if you know that there's a chance of that happening, it's a lot easier to Mm -hmm. cope with Mm -hmm. than going into it saying, "Oh." By this day, it will be gone. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that we change through these things. I'm a different person than I was before. I'm Mm -hmm. still me, but I have learned a lot and changed a lot, met a lot of people, grown a lot, heard a lot, all of those things. And if I go and say, oh, it's going to be done, then I'm taking away from who I've gained in myself through experiencing those hard things and through Mm. working through it. Even if I don't work through it well, I've still made it another day. (laughs) And there's strength to be had in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think think a lot of times, and we've discussed this on this podcast, that oftentimes when we think about resiliency, you hear the phrase being able to bounce back, right? And it Mm -hmm. almost sounds like it needs to be an instantaneous bounce. Right. That, I don't even like bounce back. Yeah, because that makes it sound like you're going back to where you were before. And like you said, you are, you're not the same person you were before. Yeah. So I feel we need to come up with a better word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you're right. Resiliency doesn't necessarily mean that on this day I'm in a bad space, but tomorrow I'm completely, completely healed. Yeah. <laughs> right? My spring has officially sprung and now I'm good. Right? So I think that there's much more to it than that. I yeah. think resiliency is is literally getting through the next moment. That is being resilient, allowing yourself to do it. And like I said, it might mean sitting in the suffering, Mm -hmm. but that you're allowing yourself to get through that next moment. That's being resilient. That I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what builds resiliency, having that growth mindset that, okay, this hasn't defeated me. Mm -hmm. I can continue. I will take another breath. I will make it through another minute. I will make it another day. 
and it might not be pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might not be gracious, but I will continue. Resiliency just means that we give ourselves the grace to continue. Yeah, you showed up. Right. That I go to a horse class and they have little, the kids take words off what they came, what came up for them during that time. And one of them is, is I just showed up. And that's yeah. sometimes we got to give ourselves permissions of, we just showed up and that's good enough for today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in this short year, you have created a foundation in addition to everything else that has, that has happened. We want to hear about this. Tell us about your foundation. You know, it's interesting because just a few days after the accident, I mean, we were all still in really bad shape. The three adults, my husband and I and my friend, we all knew instantly that we wanted to do something with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just a, a form of coping or a way of of having some hope in something else or what, but we all instantly knew. And my husband's the whole time has been some sort of a nonprofit, some sort of a charity of sorts. Mm -hmm. And when they lifelighted him, they gave him a John Doe name. Hmm. They weren't able to ask him what his name was, but they needed to get information in the system very quickly. So they gave him the John Doe name of Sandal Blue. Everybody asked me, did he have blue sandals yeah. on? <laughs> he had brown chacos on. Wow. <laughs> so how they came up with that name, we will never know. Yes. Um, I've heard it's just randomized in the system. We have tried to find that out. It huh. sounds like it's a random thing in the system. But that name has really a lot of significance for us, mm-hmm. Sandal Blue. Mm-hmm. So we have started a nonprofit. It's called Sandal Blue <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> And we are trying to provide resources and help for other people that have gone through motor vehicle accidents. Uh We hear of wrecks constantly, right? Mm -hmm. Every day on the news. But there are little to no resources for the people that are enduring it. I mean, we have searched and searched. There are some, but there are very, very few. So we are trying to create a space for people to connect that have gone through something hard to provide resources and helpful financial and, um, I mean, just informational mm-hmm. and also for the, the support system of those people, because in the thick of it, especially where with ours, it was more than half of our family. Yeah. That meant all of our extended family had to be on board. And we were so grateful that they didn't even ask. They didn't blink an eye. They stepped mm-hmm. right in. But they needed resources. They were going through it just right along with us. And mm-hmm. they still are. And so to provide resources for for the support system and their teams, and then also to provide some hope that they can accomplish things. Um, we had been training for a marathon, for our first marathon right before the accident. We have not made it yet. But the idea of running another race is what has kept my husband going. That's why mm-hmm. he's walking, is because he has been having that hope. So our organization does also provide opportunities for us to help people find a purpose again mm-hmm. and work towards something, towards anything that may be interesting to them. Because otherwise you go to physical therapy and it's just do this again and it hurts and you don't yeah. want to. So when you have a why behind it, it really helps. Mm-hmm. So we, yes, are are doing all of the things, hopefully, in order to, to shed some light and some hope to others. And to, we've just met some amazing people through the experiences as well. So we, I will say, we have a, a website. Okay. I would love it if people Perfect. went to see it. It's sandalbluefoundation.org. And we do motivational speaking as well. If anybody knows somebody that could use, you know, some outreach from us, 
they can contact us if they want are interested in us speaking they can contact us we would love to connect with as many people as we can we know this doesn't just affect our family Mm -hmm. and we know that not everybody's story turns out the way that ours has and we would love to be able to be a support and a guide for them and we will make sure that we include that website in our show notes so that our listeners know how to yes get in contact with you knowing your family and maybe we'll close with this last question knowing you and your family what wonderful dreams and visions and plans do you guys have for these next few <laughs> yeah. weeks and months and years oh, for you guys? you know, for the next few weeks, I've got, like I said, I have a surgery, so we're just hoping to endure through another downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been able to start back at work just recently, but I will be taking a pause again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the immediate future is some more enduring and just trying to take it a day at a time. But then from there, we really just hope to reach other people. We really hope to continue to thank healthcare professionals for what they do. We have some things lined up at some universities speaking to upcoming students that are going to be changing people's lives like they changed ours. Mm. Um, We're hoping to do more speaking, lots of volunteering. Um, We hope to work with brain injury patients because we have Mm. an understanding of that at this point. And just... You know, I really just hope to continue to get strength from others so that we can continue and then hopefully give some strength back as we go on. Awesome. What about the boys? Oh, they're living their best teenage life, you know. (laughs) They get to do all the teenage things, which we're so grateful for. It doesn't look the same as it would have, obviously, but we're, we're making the best of it. I know I talk about pockets of time, but we talk about pockets of joy at our house Mm -hmm. all the time, and so... You know, Owen's not able to do the things that he wants to do, but he does still have some pockets of joy, and we really focus on that. Cameron's big goal is to get a a scholarship uh, through soccer, and he is working really, really hard on that. So we get to enjoy our time sitting on the sidelines cheering for him, and as well as the rest of the kids, just, you know, to be kids and and continue growing. Love it. So... Just some great information that I think any family can t- take. Little pieces that can make their family stronger. I mean, connection. The importance of connection is really, I really love that you had that throughout your entire story of making sure we're connected. Not only as a family, but finding the supports that can help you are super important as well. So I want to thank you for coming and being on our podcast today and sharing your story. I always feel like these stories, Hillary and I are invited into this special place that people have. And it's it's an honor to be there and to be part of um, hearing your story. So thank you so much. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and we hope that you are all being kind to yourself and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Parents Place podcast. If you would like to reach us, you can at parents at the familyplaceutah.org or you can reach Jen on Facebook, Jen Daily The Family Place. Please check out our show notes for any additional information. Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.